Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, ready, bird. Very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Darn a number leaver. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. What's up, everybody? And in studio, the number one NFL correspondent in the podcasting world today, the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. What's going on, everybody? Mike is in transit right now, everyone, but guess what? Still gets the job done. Yeah. Still calls into the pod and is ready with information. We have a whole new set of interns. Mike fired the previous set of interns because he found out one of them was a Patriot fan of the 10, mm. fired the other nine for not speaking up. Right. Letting us know there was a Patriot fan on the staff. No deflated balls here. Look, <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike's nah. a military guy, and um, shape up or ship out with the interns. They're gone. I'm currently trying to escape quarantine from coronavirus. <laughs> on the road right now, just driving, son. And all we really got going on in the world of the NFL, news-wise, besides the CBA and the little little things coming out here and there about the CBA, is the NFL Combine. The meat market. Mm-hmm. Okay, you show up. Like we said last week, you're going to get weighed. You're going to get measured. You're going to jump. You're going to run. You're going to bench press. Right. You're going to run around some cones. Some some weird interview questions, more than likely. Yep. And it's all going to be on film for the world to see. You can't even hide anymore. No. Uh, we're going to go through that. We're going to, just like last year, guys, we're going to break it down. Mike has some uh, great information here, some winners, some losers from the Combine, some people that maybe raised their stock up a little bit in relation to the Jets. We were on CJ's podcast, his new podcast, yep. Weapons Hot this week. Oh, yes. The just fr- finished. Yeah, we it took, yeah, it was the War and Peace version of a podcast episode. <laughs> Um, two and a half hours of nobody. Jet. Nobody understands that CJ's last name is Tolstoy. <laughs> exactly, he's a descendant. They and no, no, I'm not hating. Two no, and a half hours fantastic. of jet talk. If anyone hung on for that whole time, he's absolutely fantastic. If you, if anyone listened to that entire podcast, God bless him. You're a psychopath. Yeah. Him or her who did that. Yep. And I want to meet you, and I want to drink a beer with you because you're an amazing person. Yeah. CJ started out Weapons Hot. Him and Kevin Jacks came out. New show, guys. Go listen to them. Absolutely. But before you do that, always. Come over here yeah. and hit play on us first. Yeah, you know, just, just hit us first. Yeah, then go to them. No big deal. And if you're their fans, hit them first. Then come to us. It's a big Jet family out here, Jet podcasting family. Uh, but Mike, let's get to it. All we really have to discuss, and this won't be a long episode this week, guys, is the NFL Combine. Oh yes. Uh, like we mentioned that we, and I know this time of year, all we really Jet fans, all you really, and Giant fans, really diehard football fans. You get yourself into draft mode. Yep. You know where your pick team's picks are. Mm-hmm. You kind of start visualizing. Who could we get? Who might the team in front of us get? Yep. You know, what? who could fall to us at this spot? What's our biggest need, et cetera, et cetera, Absolutely. et cetera. We all go through all our different hypotheticals. Before all that comes into play, we get this, these little tidbits from the NFL Combine. Now, Mike, we discussed last year, and in a future episode, maybe next week we'll do that, okay. kind of how the Combine 
relates to your success, if there is a correlation. Right. You know what? And so far as NFL GMs go, and if there's a guy who's kind of hinging second, first round pick, a team's on the fence with the player, the combine could be the, the event that kind of pushes them over the edge. Yeah. Or maybe they say, you know, this guy's 40 times too slow. This yeah. guy's not as strong as we thought. Right. This guy's not as intelligent as we thought. And this week, guys... There's a whole bunch of winners and losers, and we're going to get right into it here when it comes to, like, well, so I guess we'll start off with the defensive backs, Mike. One of the big winners you got, you have, Mike, and it's kind of a guy who's probably going to be maybe the first corner taken this year is Akuda. He had an awkward fall during his drills. We were in a 4-4-8. His vertical, his vertical job, he posted a 41. He's probably going to be the first cornerback off the, off the board anyway, but I think he kind of really stabilized his draft stock with the, with the combine this week, Mike. Absolutely. When you look at a guy like this who had tremendous production in college, who has all the measurables and then goes ahead and matches it with what he was able to do in the combine, his speed, his jumping, his all his agility, his drills. This guy has locked himself definitely in the top 10, my opinion, probably in the top five, and will be in contention to be potentially one of the uh, G-men, one of the Detroit Lions, um, and somewhere in that top five, top six, top seven realm. So I don't think the Jets really have a shot at getting Akuda, but Akuda is definitely a big winner because, to your point, he he stabilized or he reaffirmed himself as the top corner and one of the top picks in this draft coming. Yeah, and when it comes to corners, one guy that might have popped on the team's radars, Louisiana Tech, so it's not like he went to a big-time school. Right. Legereus Sneed, he is 192 pounds, 6 foot. 6 foot, 192 pounds, he had a 4-3-7-40, which is... Which is tremendous. Yeah. That's that's corn. That's, that's a pretty big. Corner. You go sub four four, and you're you're that size. That's pretty good. Seems pretty versatile. Didn't really put it the best numbers on the bench. So I don't know how much that's gonna how much that matters when it comes to corner. Right. Um. If you're a safety, that'd be more concerning. But he's a guy that I think Mike, like like Mike said, I said it to us before the show started. Could be a draft day sleeper. Maybe a middle round pick, but definitely shot up the board for a bunch of people, Mike. Absolutely, I would love. Like we talked about on CJ's show, you know those first four picks. You know, we're going to go offensive tackle. Hopefully, we're going to go wide receiver and potentially we're going to go cornerback. And somebody like this, if we could get this kid at the end of the third or top of the fourth round, oh, man. What a, I mean, like I said, this kid could be a steal. Look at that speed, that agility. This is one of those guys that if mixed with a another veteran that or a veteran that we're able to bring on, and a bless on Austin who adds depth could be an ingredient to a defense that's able to hold it down with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. So I wanted to highlight him because he's a guy he definitely could be on our radar in day two. Giants, like the Jets, got a lot of different needs right. on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Now, skill position wise, you got you got you got Barkley. You got the quarterback maybe in place now. Yep. You do have at least one good wide receiver. Right. Who's the rookie last year you guys took? Was it Slayton? Um, who played pretty well? Darius Slayton. Uh, yeah, right? Darius, yeah. Darius yep, Slayton. Darius Slayton. So, um, he's pretty good too, but Mike has a guy here. You guys might grip at four. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker who ran a 4-3-9, which is amazing for a linebacker. He's 6'4", 238 pounds. Fastest, fastest ever of a linebacker. Yeah, Mike mentioned the fastest of all time. And if you're 6'4", if you're his height, 
and you're 240 pounds, and you're, I mean, that's a dude who you can do all types of things off the edge with, you would think. Um, used to be a safety, very versatile, probably a top 10 pick. Really, really helped the stock this week, or at least showed everybody that the speed they saw on film also translates to the 40 time. Right. Sometimes you don't, sometimes that's not a two way street. One right. doesn't affect the other, but um, that's a dude to the Giants to probably consider in the top five. But I think the Giants are going to go offensive line personally. Myself. I hope they do. And there was a few mock drafts out there that had AJ Epineza going in the top 15. Some people said 11 to the Jets. When he ran a 40 time, it was a little over, you know, 5.04. It was 5.04 is 40 time. Um, not the fastest guy. I think he's not really fast enough to be an edge rusher. And not, I mean, if, if, you're, that's, if you're running a 5 no. 40, I mean, that's. Outside right tackles and left tackles on the NFL can some of them can run you know some of the five did, yeah. you know they so did, yeah. um, and some of them run in sub five so that's somebody what do you think Mike that's someone Jets they should stay away from Nick yeah Nick did we not talk about that Ben radius did we not talk about how important that Ben radius was last yep. draft yeah. what kind of Ben radius can you have when you're running a forty yard dash with that type of slow speed No no I mean. You, now, now, speed and quickness, I, I know, are two different things. That, but, but yeah, there's no way if you're running a five flat and a forty, unless you have like the greatest agility in the world ever, you're not bending and getting around an offensive lineman to get a sack. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's not happening. So I don't want to hear. So I don't. Want, I, I know there's a couple of mock tracks out there. Us taking Chase on and taking this kid. Yeah. A, I don't want to see none of that. We're going offensive tackle, or we're going receiver. And if I see anything with Epineza or, or, or something else on defense, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And if we're going to draft strictly off Ben Radius, I think Rocco Sofredi, he would be number I mean, one pick probably. He's from the Italian national team. You're not, I mean, you're not That's a find, deep cut. If, you, find a, if you get it, you ben get Radius. it. If not, we're going to go ahead and move you're not on. Get a ben um, guys, now another possible edge rusher we can grip. Mm. Michigan linebacker safety had 30 reps on the bench press, 4.57 40-yard dash, is Kaliki Hudson, 33-inch vertical, 120-inch broad jump. These are all just numbers. I get it, guys. Yep. Um, all-around performance was pretty good, though, last year, and it seems like he's someone that might fit into the scheme. I don't know if that's what we need. Obviously, he's an edge rusher, but... I think with those first four picks that we have, just like we talked about on CJ's podcast and we talked about on our podcast last week, I don't see them going, even though I'd love them, unless someone falls into their lap, which, which like we theoretically thought Ja'Kai Polite might be that guy last year, right? right? He wasn't. But I don't see them going at Drusher, so I don't, I don't know if they're going to grab someone like him, but I yeah. do, you know, he, he'd be a nice fit. But I think the first four picks for the Jets, I think a couple of them are going to be offensive line. I think one of them is definitely going to be wide receiver. And I think another one of them is going to be cornerback in in some type of combination right there for the Jets. Yeah, I agree with you. I put this guy on there because he did very well in the combine, increased his draft stock. I was hoping if we were going to address edge, maybe we could do something like that. In the, potentially in the second, I mean, in the third or fourth round. But you're right, in the first four picks, I think we really need to focus on offensive tackle, receiver, and potentially corner. When it comes to offensive tackles now, we talked about the big man last yep. week, Makai Becton, 6'7", 6'8", 370, monstrosity. We mentioned him before he went viral for running his insane 40-yard dash. Mike, I think it was a 5.1, right? 5.1. And... Yes. He's 364 pounds and six foot seven. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Now you don't need to run as fast as him no. to be as big as him for what you're going to be doing. But just to know that someone has that speed, you can destroy someone 
downfield on a sweep. You got to worry about that guy being 25 yards down the field. Yes. Like, oh, wait a minute. He's not back there. Yes. He's sucking wind with everybody. I know his so leg he got... Re- so he registered in the combine one of the highest speed scores of any player in that was performing in the combine. And the speed score is a correlation between how fast you run and your size. So for context, if you had two pl- people, uh, one tall guy and one short guy, and they both ran four or 540s, the tall guy will have a higher speed score because he's heavier than the short guy, yep. right? Because he has more weight. Yeah, yeah. So Becton, Becton run it, and that's how a lot of these guys are judged. These running backs are judged on their speed score as fast as they run and how big they are. So a guy like Becton, who was came in with 17% body fat. Oh, my I God. It's a monstrosity. How can you be that big? It doesn't make any sense. No. That's uh, that's frightening. I, I can't. Like, I'm still not, I still can't register that size of, you know, that size of a human running that quickly. And now another offensive tackle to put a show on was oh, worse. God. Michael, go into a little bit more detail in a second. And he, he mentioned this before, that... If what we're looking for is offensive tackle, which we obviously are, or just right. offensive line town in general, we're in a good spot because this draft has some top-level offensive linemen right at the top of the draft yep. and has a ton of wide receiver talent. That's our two biggest well, – two of our bigger weaknesses right, right now, especially if we lose Robbie on um, the carpet. going to be pretty bare there for Sam. And another guy that just destroyed the combine – was Tristan Wirfs. I mean, he's a monstrosity of a human to begin with. He ran a 4.85 40-yard dash, 36-and-a-half-inch vertical, put up 24 reps on the bench press. The Hawkeyes, we know what they do out there. All they do is put monster offensive linemen into the NFL. Okay, just pumping them, yep, just pumping yep. corn the tight ends right into either. the bloodstream out there, growing them real, growing them big. It's nuts. Uh, it's like the ooze from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, they just smear it on they kids put it out, there. out there. They grow giant in the fields when they're working. Uh, but he he's also another guy, Mike. That either him or Becton either could get taken before we drafted eleven, Mike. But if either one of them was to fall to us, that's a home run. Oh yeah, absolutely. Any of these guys would be the number one tackle taken in most any draft. The fact that all four, Wirfs, Wills, uh, Becton, and Thomas are there really is uh, a luck of the draw for the New York Jets, as you spoke about with also the receiver depth. You know, we're going to be able to get our pick of the litter really at 11 regarding receiver if we decide to go that direction. But I think because of the depth at receiver, it'd be better to go and go into the later rounds and grab talent and grab one of these top four offensive tackles, as stated. Wirfs had a phenomenal combine. He may be the first tackle taken off of the board. We'll see. I personally like Becton or Thomas because they are true offensive tackle left tackles. And that's really what I would like for the New York Jets because we're going to need an anchor there that we can build off of, some stability, some DeBrickishoff Ferguson type legendary action that we can worry about that have to worry about for the next decade that's really what i'm looking at now worfs and wills can do that but um they they're definitely more of a uh tool that you can move around the offensive line and put them in at right guard right tackle you know left guard so on and so forth even center so um so yeah those two two guys really increase their stock and I wouldn't be surprised, again, the Giants or even, um, you know, Car- I don't know about Carolina, but 
definitely Arizona or Jacksonville and definitely Cleveland would look to take one of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, you got some winners and losers when it comes to the running back position. For the, uh, for the combine. Now, I know Zach Moss ran a 4.65 40-yard dash um, from Utah. And, you know, th- I think he was projected as maybe a second, third-round guy. Probably yep. jumped down to the fourth round. That's pretty slow for a running yep. back 40-yard dash. Yep. It's not the end of the world. He'll have a chance at, on his pro day to improve that. That's unremarkable when it comes to your yeah, 40 times. Yeah, he's, pro- he's, pro- he's projected to be a Wookiee a Wookie second-round pick, I, I'm thinking. He's definitely going to be a, a faller in the draft. Um, in the SCFL, at least, he'll yes. be a second-round yes, pick. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I project him onto the Wookiees. I'm purposely um, not, <laughs> not taking him now. <laughs> I'll purposely uh, not take him. <laughs> but you know what? There's some guys like uh, Singletary didn't have a good combine last year, and he went to the right team, and, you know, he did his thing. Yep. I mean, I still don't think he's that great of a back, but he did really well, and he didn't really have that great metrics in the yep. combine, you know? So you never really know. But, uh, yeah, he didn't do anything. Zach didn't do anything to help him in, in on his performance in the draft. No, but you got a couple guys. Up. You got a couple guys here that did raise their stock or at least solidify their stock. One of them is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. We know he rushed for you know over 6,000 yards in college, 40, 42 Son. touchdowns. The 40, uh, his, he ran a 4.3940, so he got the sub 4.440, 36-inch 30, vertical jump. And that was pretty much the talk of the right. combine when yep. it came to the running back position. whole bunch of other guys coming into this year, going into the draft, maybe have a little bit more pub than him when it comes to that position. Right. But Jonathan Taylor comes in, holds it down on his, on his uh, combine workout. Down. He could be. He might be the first guy taken now, he Mike. Be, yeah. He might be the first guy taken. Remember what we talked about with the speed score. He had the highest speed score any of the running backs. This guy, he ran more. He, he's a... This guy's built for the NFL. His size, he has that size-speed combination. Now, the knock on him was the fumbles, Keith. Yeah. And I know that that's a major flaw, okay? So I want everyone to understand, and we're going to probably get into a fantasy. I know every, all our fans love our fantasy episodes. Um, we're going to definitely be getting into these rookies and where we are projecting them in Dynasty and everything like that. But this guy here... May go number one. I know some GMs are going to be a little bit shy with his fumbling issues at Wisconsin, but he has all the tools. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. His size is perfect for the NFL, and I definitely had him as the number one winner coming out of the combine this uh, last weekend. Yeah, another running back on your list uh, that everyone should take note of, man. Maybe take a mental note if you're in dynasty drafts out there in the world. Cam Akers from Florida State, 2,000-yard seasons. Seems like a guy who may be... There's a lot of dudes like this who kind of realize their full potential at the next level. And, you know, he is bench press, put up 20 reps. Not that bad. 217 pounds, you run a 447. That's pretty beast mode. Yep. So he's a guy that Mike really likes. Yep. Mike's really, Mike really thinks, at least with the combine here, was able to race his stock big time. Right. He's one of those guys that made induction in college, but when he gets to the NFL, can really explode onto the scene, kind of like the way Sony Michelle decides the, is getting hurt. You know, Nick Chubb was the main guy there in Georgia, and Sony ended up getting drafted, I believe, ahead of him uh, to the Patriots. And uh, a guy like Cam Akers, you got to watch out for because he has a lot of those skills that these 
these new offensive coordinators look for to expand their offenses. So I definitely keep your eye on him. He had a very good combine. Yeah, and getting into the wide receiver position, everyone, just so you know, me, the Wookiee, and Mike actually all do, ironically enough, root for Notre Dame. Chase Claypool this week in the combine, tore it up, 6'4", 238, was such just a monster at Notre Dame. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, man, if he played in a different team and a different type of offense, he might put up stats that you could not even believe. But when, when it comes to him, someone that size, he ran a 4'4", 19 reps on the bench press, 40 and a half inch vertical um that size that speed coming from notre dame when you saw him play in college you seem like a legit guy who could potentially yep. be a number one in the nfl i think he's somebody that put himself probably into the second round mike maybe even like the late first round with the way the combine went i know keith i put this guy on there really specifically for you because i know you love this kid playing out <laughs> of notre dame what a what a spectacular game. We know how good he was. We know how good he was. But then this combine, I, I wish he didn't do as good as he did because he did probably put himself up there in the second round. I was hoping for a guy like this we could get in the back section of the third round, you know what I'm saying? Maybe uh, maybe somewhere in the third. But, yeah, he's, you know, he's probably going second round at least with this type of speed and then backing it up with that type of performance in the combine. Yeah, now we know that um, we had a dude like Ruggs trying to go ahead and set the record for the 40. Right. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, your boy Ross, well, he still holds on to the now, record now, there. Now he's, he's Doc's boy. Yeah. Um, we got a few other guys that flashed, though. Okay. One of them being Justin Jefferson. He's one of Burrow's favorite targets. Pretty fast dude. 6'1", 202, ran a 4'4", 3. She had 1,500 yards. 18 touchdowns in 2019. Now, Burroughs threw yep. for 60 touchdowns or something like that. So, someone had to get them all right. Probably got himself up to a second-round prospect yeah. insofar as the Mike Lagaris meter it. goes. But I do know one thing, Mike. The biggest winner you had when it comes to receivers this week was Denzel Mims. And that's a guy you're hoping the Jets hone in on, add to the green and white. You've been talking about him. You've been quizzing the Wookiee about him. Yep. You've been measuring the stats. He had a 4-3, 40-yard dash. Cone really killed it. And he's 6-2. He's 206. Um, so he's got the size. he got the physicality. His production is pretty good there at Baylor. So he's somebody that kind of checks all the boxes. Yeah, he does. And maybe the people don't know, like a Jerry Judy or some of the other receivers in the draft. But Mims definitely, I think, would look very good in a green and white uniform. He comes from Baylor. Okay. Now, I want you to look at that, that three-cone time. Okay, he had the fastest of any receiver. Okay, and his size and his production is his production is what kind of held him back from being like the CD Lamb, the Jerry Judy, and to be fair, Jerry Judy and CD Lamb were in much better offenses, right? With in that Oklahoma and that Alabama type offenses that went up. He was at a much smaller school. But I'm going to go out and say something. That this kid is the best receiver in this class. Don't be surprised. I've been talking about this dude because of what he has and his agility. Look at what he was able to do. Okay? He can jump and get the ball. He can run routes. He's fast and quick. Just like Wookie said, there's a difference between speed and quickness. He has both. Okay? And he hasn't been able to show that production because he hasn't been in a system to be able to blow out like that. But I would flip if we got this kid in the second <laughs> round. Absolutely my 
favorite prospect coming out so far, and we're going to see where he goes in the NFL draft coming up in April. And Jefferson actually is my second favorite prospect in the second round at receiver. He had 28 touchdowns in 40 games. That's still yep. pretty decent production yep. when, it, when it comes to getting the ball in the end zone in college. When it comes to the quarterback position, not a position the Jets are going to be looking at, not a position the G-Men are going to be looking at, but there's kind of a consensus. You got Burrow, you got Tua. They're going to be the first two guys off the board, everyone thinks. Now, I think based off college pedigree, the way the Senior Bowl went, and since he did pretty decent at the Combine, right. Herbert, to me, is going to be the third quarterback on, but you never know because Love maybe had the best Combine of everybody from Utah State. He seems like he popped on the radar late, but so did Daniel Jones last yep. year. So you do never know who's going to go third. But, Mike, you're still thinking it's a mystery and you're not sold on any of these guys right now as the 100% third quarterback going off the board. So I'm going to tell you this, man. I think... Definitely, Joe Burrow is going to be drafted one overall to the to the Bengals. I think we all think that. I I'm going to tell you guys right now. I think that two is going two to the Redskins. Oh wow! Well, I'm, I'm I'm I from what I'm hearing, the way I'm reading what's coming out of Washington right now, they're saying, oh, if he's healthy, he's on the table. You know, you don't talk like that. If you have a quarterback that you 100% believe in, like if you believe in your quarterback, you're not even addressing, you're not even thinking. It's like when you're married, you know what I'm saying? Like you're with, you're with your wife. You're not even looking at another prospect. You know what I'm saying? If you're looking at another prospect, <laughs> your, marriage, your marriage is in shambles. Your marriage is in shambles, right? So the fact that they're even talking about Tua, to me, tells me that the Redskins most likely, if he gets a clean bill of health, are going to go Tua at two. Okay? That'd be great. Wow. Now, now, now. Yeah, because then that means Chase Young. Yeah, exactly. Now, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised that the Miami Dolphins draft Jordan Love at number five. I actually wouldn't, to be honest. Do not be surprised because that team. All about the, Jordan Love. Jordan Love had a very good, had a very very good combine, and the chatter out of the Indianapolis is that he's a poor man's bones. That's what's been being said. That he has the athletic ability, he has the mental ability, he has the good-natured leadership-type presence that people are attracted to. His stock is rising fast. And a guy like Herbert, yes, he's good. There's questions about his leadership, questions about his accuracy, his ability to execute. You know, in big moments, there are a lot of times that he kind of waned. He's not canon, though. I'm not saying that this is definitely going to happen, but do not be surprised. Jordan Love goes five, and then Herbert goes later on after that. Yeah, but it's that's the same. It's like so funny how subjective these things can be. Because like, what are the big moments Jordan Love has like been in Utah State? Right. That he what big game did he play in? That he he wasn't even in those moments. Right. You know. So and it's so funny, and this is why the draft and the combine, all these things are so fascinating every year to all of us because. Like a Daniel Jones last year. Right. We talked about him on the pod. We yeah. talked about him here. Actually, after the, if you remember, guys, after the the combine last year, we did a show similar to this, and me and Mike spoke about him because he had a really good 40 time, and me and Mike thought he really improved his stock. Right. Um. So you do never know, man. You don't know what these teams are looking at. What do they value more? You know, what are they what are they putting stock in? Because every team's different. Every team's formula is different. Yep. And the combine means a lot, man. So... Very, very interesting stuff. And, you know, we, we try to talk about as many of these things that are in relation to the Jets as possible. 
and bring you as much content as yeah. we can as the year goes on, guys, because the off-season sometimes can be just as much fun as the actual season. Yes. Sometimes during the actual season, after a horrific jet loss, it's sad. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's tough. You know, you don't want to hit play on the podcast because <laughs> you know it's a bummer. I get it. But in the off-season, we all have hope. Yeah. We're all, we're all undefeated in the offseason. Zero and zero. Okay, we all got a little bit of money. We can spend on a free agent. We all got a few little draft yep. picks. So and that's why the offseason is so much fun. It's why there's so much interest in the NFL offseason more than any other league. Not yeah. even close. I know the NBA has a lot of buzz, but there's nothing like the NFL offseason. And, and real quick, Keith, there's one other guy I wanted to say. Um, at the combine, there was a wide receiver named LaViscus Chenault, and he was considered to be a number one draft pick, a first round draft pick he got hurt running his 40, pulled a handy his oh, draft no. stock his, yeah, his draft stock is going to fall hard Keith, he's a guy son, if he's like in the 4th round yeah, you show, grab him up rip. I yep. just want to yeah, bring yeah. out that name LaViscus Chenault don't forget that. I got both him and Mims yeah. from before, Mike. I got him banked already. Mims. Yeah. If he if he's there at 31, he's gone. So if he's Yo, at 32. You not touch yeah. him in the kid, he's not going to make it to 31 in the SFL draft, Mike. You better not think about drafting him. He's not going to make it to 31, Mike. Yeah. And what's very interesting is little known fact is Leviscus is named after a Czechoslovakian goalie. Yes. I just made that up. That's not true. And it's also, but it sounds uh, like that sounds very accurate. It's like what the I just said. Fifth <laughs> inside the knee, yeah, exactly. Deep, deep inside your knee. Yep. Opposite of meniscus. Yeah, and that's guys. The only thing going on this weekend when it comes to the fight world, mm-hmm. uh, we got UFC 248. We got Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. I won't go into too much detail and nerd out too deep, but if you do know, Adesanya is kind of like the golden child right now, undefeated fighter. He's been calling out John Jones for a while. Very marketable, very charismatic, very well spoken from New Zealand. He was raised in Nigeria originally. Um, gets a ton of knockouts. Has a win over Anderson Silva. He's a 185 pound champion now. Yo Romero, former uh, Olympic. Oh, is that guy from? Is that guy from Africa? You were telling me about who's undefeated. Well, no, that that's that's a whole that's a guy Rosenstruck. He's a heavyweight. He's frightening. Oh, okay. That he's from like a horror movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, now Adesanya was born in Africa, raised in New Zealand. This is a dude who, if you Google him, anyone, you take a look at some of his highlight reels. Was a kickboxer. He's absolutely tremendous. And now he's the champ. So he's fighting Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero is 42 years old, but he's a former Olympian. He doesn't look like he looks like a Marvel character, like, but not a not in real life. Like one of the ones in the cartoons, right? Or an action figure, right? Where there's too many abs. Yes. Like, you don't in your head. You're like we don't have that many abs. Fourteen pack. You know he's that yeah. guy. If anyone Google's Joel Romero, so I mean, for the for the people who really are into UFC and fighting, great fight. Yep. As good a fight as there is. 125 pounds title match. Also should be very very interesting this weekend, man. We'll talk about it next week. UFC kind of spreads out all the good fights now. In the old days, maybe there were seven or eight good fights on the same card. Right. Now, because there's so many fights, so much content, so much to put out there. They got pay-per-views. They're on ESPN. They kind of give you two or three monster fights on a pay-per-view. That's it. Now, we got another one in the books here. We'll be back at you next week. You can go hear us on the Weapons Hot podcast. came out last Sunday. Um, if anyone has basically an afternoon to spend yeah. listening to a podcast, because yeah. you're going to have to put on at one. It's not going to end until about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock that night. Yeah. But go ahead, listen to it. Yes. Um, I think it's it's as long as The Godfather 1 and 2 right. back to back. Yep, if you've got that time. If you got the time, throw it on. And uh, we're not... Kick CJ feet up. And CJ, we're not busting shops, no. right? We're just saying it was a long podcast. No, that's fantastic. Because that's how long you can go, because you're a machine, CJ. 
We got all love in the world for you. But that's that's it for us here, guys, this week. Get back at you next week, Mike. And if anyone does want to listen to us, support us, tweet at us, get in touch with me, you, or the Big Stinking Wookiee on social media. Well, we're, the, we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on Facebook at AEBD.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas who did this entire show in route, in his car. Thank you very much, Mike. You're a trooper. And... Dodging Corona, son. Dodging Corona. Mike Mike actually has his car wrapped in saran wrap. So germs can't even get in through the windows um, down there in Texas because you know it gets wild down there, guys. Uh, And also, guys, on behalf of... The number one NFL correspondent in the game today, the Big Stinking Wookiee. My name is Keith Farrell. Thanks, as always. We love all you guys for joining us, listening to us, and supporting us. Get at you next week. Peace out. Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans are fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Call the number leaders.